This is the greatest hour to follow Jesus. I want you to go with me to Acts chapter 6. I want to talk to you about something tonight that is so important. And that is on how to remain and maintain fullness in the spirit. Like how do you stay strong in the Lord? Especially in these days. Like what do you do to just stay strong? Because there's so much that's coming against us today with what's going on in the world. And how to maintain fullness and how to stay strong in the Lord is in the Bible. <clears throat> but first, I want to show you a picture of blessings in the Bible. This is a beautiful picture of fullness. And so I read verse 1 of Acts 6. In those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose murmurings of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. This basically was where these early Jewish believers, both local believers and Hellenistic believers, who were Jews also, by the way, even though they were called Greeks, there was a question of uh, helping the Hellenistic and they were not being taken care of. And so it says, they came, they came to the apostles. And then it says in verse two, then the 12 called the multitude of the disciples to them and said, it is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the minister of the word. And this was key because had the apostles been distracted, we would not see what it says next. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and Prochorus, Nicanor, and Timon, Parmenas, Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch, whom they set before the apostles. And when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. Now watch verse 7. And the word of God increased. And the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. That's a picture of an amazing revival. And a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. Verse 7 tells me the church was experiencing an amazing move of God. So experiencing fullness does not lock us into a place of spiritual effectiveness from which we can lose. This doesn't mean we're going to stay there. Verse 7 is a wonderful verse, but did they stay in Acts 6, 7. Well, if you look later, they had another problem, and that had to do with, do you keep the law or not, in Acts 15. So, when God begins to move like that, um, and begins to empower our lives, we actually become a greater target of the devil. 
And so it's possible to lose fullness. So now in this beautiful ministry, God is giving you fullness. This is truly a great move of God happening here, as in many places around the world. But how do we keep it? Well, we have to first look at what the Bible says. All right. So let's look at Psalm 51. I'm going to have Chad. This would really help me. And Dion. I don't know if Dion is. There you are. Why don't you come sit here, Dion? You know what? Let's, let's have Dion and Ryan instead of Chad. You guys get two microphones. And you're going to help me preach. They're going to just read the word. It's okay. But that's helping me preach. Because there's a lot of scriptures I want to give you. And I want to have them read something for us. Well, a few scriptures anyways. So, uh, Dion, you're going to read for me Psalm 51:11, And then I'm going to give you some, other, some additional scriptures to read later. So, let's, let's look at Psalm 51. Very familiar. Uh, and verse 11. Go ahead. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Why did David say that? Dion, why would a man of God like David pray that? Because he feared that this could happen to him. He understood you could lose with God. You can, you can literally be a castaway. And that's why I'm talking to you tonight about... How to remain in that place where we are pleasing to the Lord? Because we fight this flesh. That's our biggest enemy, is the flesh. I can easily resist the devil. Nowhere in the Bible does it say resist the flesh. Because the flesh goes to bed with you. So how do you deal with this? This is our biggest problem. It says, resist the devil, he'll flee. Nowhere does it say, resist the flesh and it'll flee. It doesn't say that. So, we can deal with the devil with God's word. It is written. Quite simple. And I've said this many, many times. You cannot fight Satan with your experience, no matter how great the experience was. Why? Well, because do you remember... The Lord was baptized in the Jordan River. God spoke and said, this is my son. Well, the devil heard that. The angels heard that. We're talking about just a few days later. A few days later, the devil comes and says, if you are the son of God. Now, Jesus could have said, weren't you there? (laughs) Didn't you hear God say, I am? He didn't say that. He said, it is written. He used the word, not experience. If anybody could have used experience, he could have. But Jesus was showing us, you cannot defeat Satan with your experience, no matter how mighty it was. Here's God saying, this is my son. And the devil heard that for sure. And the whole world, and I mean the spiritual world, heard that. But the Lord did not use that. So, David understood you can lose what God gives you. So he said, 
Cast me not away from your presence. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy. Meaning he lost it. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. And Lord, hold me up with a willing heart because I don't have one. So dependent on God to say, hold my heart up because I can't. Dependence on the Lord is so important. There are times... Okay, let's go to Psalm 119 quick. The last verse is a very revealing verse in that psalm because, you know, sometimes we just seem to forget how weak we really are. Okay, what does it say? I have gone, I'm, this is the last verse of Psalm 119, verse 176. I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek thy servant. You know what he was saying to God? I am too weak to seek you. Come please seek me. Because he understood there's something sometimes we just cannot do for ourselves. And like Colette and Boom used to say, there is no pit so deep, but Jesus is deeper still. Which means that there are times you're in such a deep pit you can't even pray right. This is when you need to depend upon the Lord. But it's all about knowing the Lord. Now, I'm going to say something to you right now. This is very important. We, we were talking in the car about this. Knowing the Lord. The more you know him, the more you become like him. It's not about knowing the power of God, that doesn't help you. Knowing his peace, knowing his joy, as lovely as it sounds, it doesn't work. It's knowing the Lord. Jesus never said, I have. He said, I am. So when you seek him, everything is fine. So Moses says, this is not a part of my message, it's just a little. Moses said in Exodus 33, 13, he said, if I have found grace in your sight, I want to know you. To find grace in your sight. Means it's, it's ongoing grace that will produce unknowing knowledge of the Lord. So, that was his cry. And the Lord comes in Exodus 34, 5, he says, the Lord, the Lord is merciful. The Lord is gracious. Long-suffering. You know what God was revealing? His holiness. Because holiness is whom he is. But then God revealed something else. And I love this, this wonderful part. He said, forgiving iniquity. Nature. Forgiving sin, that's his nature. He loves to forgive. And then he said, and that will by no means justify the guilty. Justice. You cannot have holiness without nature and justice. Anytime God reveals his justice, he's revealing his holiness and his nature. Anyone, you know, anytime he's revealing his nature, holiness, they always come together. You'll always find holiness 
nature, justice, always together in the Bible. Because God reveals that to us. In holiness, he's merciful. In holiness, he's gracious. In nature, he's forgiving and loving. In justice, I will by no means justify the guilty. So it brings the fear of the Lord then, right? So knowing the Lord, I had a young man in California, just, just became a pastor. So I said, well, uh, what are you preaching on on Sunday? He said, I'm preaching about knowing God. I said, I want to ask you a question. Why were you born here? Huh? I said, why were you born? Born like as a baby born. Mm, he just looked at me. I said, the only reason you were born into this world is to meet him and to know him. I said this, God did not create you to know your mother or your dad, because sooner or later they'll go. I said, God did not bring you into this world to know your children or your friends, to know him. I said, and the greatest privilege we have in life is to know him. Think about this. We are the only, we are God's only creation that can know him. Only ones who can know him. You may be shocked by this. Angels cannot know him because they have no ability to know him because you only know him by the Holy Spirit and they're not filled with the Holy Spirit to know him. So everything they know about him, they know by watching the way he deals with you to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers might be known by the church, by the church, God's wisdom, his manifold wisdom. So the only way they can know him is by watching the way he loves you. And they're holy. He heals you holy, because they don't understand how we can love you and I. And it says very, very clearly, I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, or depth, or any other creature can separate us from the love of God. Think about it, it's only us. It didn't say them. Us for the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Now, I said that I think in the school a few days ago, and some of the students wanted me to explain that. Well, nowhere does it say, for God so loved the angels. For God so loved the world. Nowhere does it say, I have loved the angels with everlasting love. It doesn't say that. It says, I love thee with an everlasting love. We will judge angels. That's why angels who fell cannot be saved. Think about those things, huh? It's all right. <laughs> Are they not ministering spirits, it says? Ministering spirits. Sent for the church, for the heirs of salvation. God created angels for you. Did you know that? Are there not spirits to minister for the heirs of salvation? It's amazing. 
Amazing. Yes, they ministered before him and they ministered to him. But you know something? We're not going to get into that right now because the angelic host, most people don't even understand that. You have five different divisions of angels, not just one. You have the seraphs, the cherubs, living creatures, archangels, and angels. And only, and think about this, when we think of angels, we think about the fifth group, common angels, that don't even have wings. Because it says many have entertained angels unaware. They look like young men, like you. Maybe there's one or two of them sitting next to you tonight, so be nice. <laughs> so the seraphs declare the glory. The cherubs protect the glory. The archangels, they are the warriors, you know. And then you see in the book of Revelation, amazing angels, living creatures, are the judgment, angels of judgment. But look, you will judge angels. Get that in your head. Like, who am I to judge angels? You will, because we shall be like him. So what do we do on this earth? Get to know the Lord. And knowing the Lord will transform you into his image. So beautiful. So, but even, you know, when, when, when you do get to know the Lord and God begins to bless you, it's possible to walk away from that. There's, there's a very scary verse in Proverbs 25. It says, when a righteous man falls before the wicked, he becomes like a clouded fountain. Meaning he, he can't find his way back home. When a righteous man falls before the wicked means when he loses his way with God. He'll become like a clouded fountain, like a muddy fountain. Meaning what? He can't see straight. He can't find his way back home. So, that's why today I'm speaking on this. It is possible to lose the blessings of God. And, but there's a wonderful secret in the Bible I'm going to show you on how to stay strong and get stronger. And the people said, Amen. Amen. All right. So let's look at individuals that had the fullness and lost the fullness. All right. Let's look at Judges 14, verse 6, Dion, and Judges 16, 20, and 21, Ryan. So we're looking at Samson. Now Samson was a man who really was empowered by God, walked with God, but didn't stay there, right? Okay, so it says, Judges 14, verse 6, please. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and he rent him as he would have rent a kid, and he had nothing in his hand, but he told not his father and his mother what he had done. There's a man called by God, so powerful, that he defeated the Philistines by himself. Won incredible battles. God used him to judge the nation. But that anointing that we just see here didn't stay. Judges 16, 20 and 21, Ryan, please. It says, and she said, the Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he awoke out of his sleep and said, I will go out as the other times before and shake myself. 
And he wist not that the Lord was departed from him. That is the, that is the saddest verse, I think, in that whole chapter, Ryan. He wished not that the Lord departed. God always announces his coming. He never announces his departure. Yeah, wow, wow, wow. I'm glad you learned that. God always has a big announcement when he comes. But he's very quiet when he leaves. It says he wished not. And most people today that lost their anointing don't even know it. So one more time, please, read that whole part, verse 20, 21. It says, and she said, the Philistine... Delilah is her name, by the way, you all remember that, right? Okay. <laughs> and she said, the Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he awoke out of his sleep and said, I will go out as at other times before and shake myself. Mm. And he wist not that the Lord was departed from him. But the Philistines took him and put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza, and bound him with fetters of brass, and he did grind in the prison house. How sad he goes from tearing a lion up with his hands, and now he's blind, slavery, bondage. So it's possible to lose. Let's look at another man named Saul. 1 Samuel 10 verse 5 through 10 we see him at time of fullness and blessings and anointing and all that and then in chapter 16 verse 14 it's all gone so first samuel 10 please dion and that's uh, chapter 10 verse 5 through 10 after that thou shalt come to the hill of god where is the garrison of the Philistines? And it shall come to pass, when thou art come thither to the city, that thou shalt meet a company of prophets coming down from the high place with a psalm tree and a tabret and a pipe and a harp before them, and they shall prophesy. And the Spirit of the Lord will come upon thee, and thou shalt prophesy with them, and shalt be turned into another man. And let it be, when these signs are come upon thee, that thou do as occasion serve thee, for God is with thee. And thou shalt go down before me to Gilgal, and behold, I will come down unto thee to offer burnt offerings and to sacrifice sacrifices of peace offerings. Seven days shalt thou tarry till I come to thee and show thee what thou shalt do. And it was, and it was so that when he had turned his back to go from Samuel, God gave him another heart, and all those signs came to pass that day. And when they came thither to the hill, behold, a company of prophets met him, and the Spirit of God came upon him, and he prophesied among them. Now, I want to say a few things about this portion. Um, go ahead and reread uh, just a bit of it. I want to stop you and explain something about the anointing most people miss. Just one, one more time. After that, thou shalt come to the hill of God. So he was just anointed with oil. To be king, and then he said, "You're going to come to such a location, and then what? Where is the garrison of the Philistines?" Now, about 500 men is a garrison. Who were there? Go ahead. And it shall come to pass, when thou art come thither to the city, that thou shalt meet a company of prophets coming down from the high place with a psalm tree and a. So tabret. you got a group of prophets coming down. And the anointing is flowing, and then? 
with his psalm tree and a tabret and a pipe and a harp before them, and they shall prophesy. And the Spirit of the Lord will come upon thee, and thou shalt prophesy with them, and shalt be turned into another now, man. Now, this is very interesting. He said, the Spirit will come upon you, you will prophesy, you'll become another man. And then he made a very dangerous statement people don't realize. Go on. And let it be, when these signs are come upon thee, that thou shalt do as occasion. Do as occasion serves you. That's a very dangerous line. Why? I'll tell you why. There is an anointing in you, all of you. Mentioned in 1 John. Can I put this here? Mentioned in 1 John 2.27, uh, 2.20, and other portions of the Bible. That talks about the, the anointing within. But there's that what comes upon a man when he's ministering. And that's in Acts 1.8. So, the Lord said in John 14 that the Spirit would be in you. And then in Acts 1.8, he'll be upon you. Well, he's in you for your uh, living as a Christian, to continue living with the Lord, walking with the Lord. But he's upon you when God uses you. The one that is in you abides, meaning it's eternal. It never leaves. And the anointing within you, you cannot feel it. You know it. You know it. And the anointing in you, mentioned in 1 John 2.27, that says, and the anointing which you have received of him, not from him, of him, abides in you, and you don't need anyone to teach you anything, but as that anointing abides in you, you will know all things and abide in the Lord. Now, why did he write that? Because in those days, when you read that portion of the Bible, there was a heresy where some were saying Jesus is not the Son of God, Jesus did not come in the flesh. And John said, no, the anointing in you will tell you the truth about Jesus. So he didn't mean by, well, the anointing in you will show you everything about the Christian life. He didn't mean that. He said, the anointing in you will tell you that Jesus is the Son of God. So, when you and I got saved, what happened to us? Three things. We became hungry for the Lord. Number two, we knew that we knew that we knew we were saved. And number three, we began to love him having not seen him. These are the signs of life. What, what is the first thing that happens when a baby is born? He wants to eat. Sign of life. Right? So hunger is the sign of life. What, what happens when people get sick? What do they lose first? Appetite. So the second thing that happens to us, to us believers is everything in, in us know, we know that, we know that when we, we don't have to go and, and, and listen to preachers or read a book. We just know I'm saved. It's called faith. Faith. And three, oh, Jesus, I love you. Wow, amazing. You love someone you haven't seen, huh? 2,000 years ago, they saw him and did not love him. We've never seen him and we love him. That's called the Holy Spirit. He gives us that love. Now, that anointing within you develops 
and grows, even though it's called the anointing. People, when you say anointing, they think, ooh, I feel something. No, 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 no. The anointing, the real anointing is inside of you. It's called dunamis power. But there is an anointing that comes for ministry, for ministry. And that comes when God uses you and lifts. That anointing can be dangerous if you lose the one inside of you. Yeah. Because it's possible to lose the Lord and to lose his blessings and his presence and keep the gift. Because the anointing of Acts 1.8 is the gift. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And, and what's the reason for it? Be my witnesses. The scary thing, saints, is <clears throat> it's possible, it's possible. I've said this many, many times and I'm going to say it again. It's possible to be anointed for ministry and be involved in witchcraft like Balaam. It's possible to be anointed for ministry and have a devil like Saul. But when Samuel said those words, do as occasions serve you, he was saying something powerful. What he was saying is, the anointing in my heart, God controls. He's in charge. But the one on me, I'm in charge. Which means when God anoints a man, he can do whatever he wants with that anointing. He can be a blessing or not a blessing. He can use the anointing to injure people. He can use the anointing to uh, make merchandise of it. Why, why do you think uh, some of these healing evangelists sell green handkerchiefs? And it works too, by the way. Because that anointing is there, even though the Lord is no longer there. Many will come in that day saying, Lord, Lord, I don't know you. So be careful. By the fruit, not their gifts, you'll know them. What are the fruit? Hunger for the Lord. Faith in God. Love for Jesus. That's the fruit. By the fruit, you'll know them. Listen, I've lived long enough to have learned that, huh? I've been in this for a lot, way longer than you've been, some of you have been even born. <clears throat> I began preaching when I was 21. I'll be 70 this year. That's a long time. But the thing is, what have I learned? A wonderful man walked up to me in Minneapolis, Minnesota, I think it was, at the Assemblies of God school up there. I think it's... Minnesota or Dakota, one of those two has a big school up there. And I was ministering to the, to the students at the, at the Bible school. I was probably 24 years old. And I'm having lunch with the, some of the people from the school. And some of the pastors in the area came. And this wonderful man, I'll never forget him. He was a tall man with a very, very... Um, face, no wrinkles, you know, and was red. And he had full white hair. I'll never forget him. He came up to me and said, young man, it is evident God is using you, but never make merchandise of the power of God. Have a good day. 
sense, thinking, ah, uh, what now? And, and they all looked at me, they said, this man really is like one of the very anointed people in that school. And I've never forgotten that. Never make merchandise of the power of God. Wow, because I, I didn't even understand then that, that you could, <laughs> but he knew. So just because somebody is anointed to minister doesn't mean they're living the life. So what do you look for? I just told you, their hunger for the Lord, it'll come out of them. Their faith in the Lord, it'll be right there, out of the heart the mouth talks. And their love for Jesus, all there. So simple, isn't it? Now, keeping fullness is what I've been talking about. But I also had to say, be careful when God begins to use you. Stay strong in the spirit. Never neglect the word of God. Because that's all we have is the word of God. Never neglect the fellowship of the saints. All right. But let's look at what happened to Saul, who was given such an amazing ministry. Became the king of Israel. All right. Now, by the way, just a little side note. A little side note that I think some of you need to just realize. The first king in Israel, the first king that was not recognized by God because he was never given the title of king of Israel by the Holy Spirit, was named Elimelech, Gideon's boy. Remember him? Who reigned for three years in Israel. But he's never mentioned in the Bible, like in a headline. Saul and David are the only two that, were really, that are really mentioned as the first king and the second king. But Elimelech was appointed by the people, but they were at that time living in idolatry, and God dismissed it from his biblical history. Isn't that amazing? Because Elimelech was chosen to be king. You remember he killed his brothers and all that. But King Saul was chosen by God. Elimelech had a very terrible end because was, he was not chosen by God. But look what it says in verse 14 of a man that God anointed. Verse 14. And by the way, Elimelech was never anointed anyways. That man that the Bible talks about. Jeroboam's son, Gideon's son. Okay, let's look at this, at this verse 14. It says what? Ryan, please. 1 Samuel 16, 14. And by the way, I'm so glad you're back all in one piece from Poland. Thank God. I'm proud of you, Ryan, for going. I saw the clips. I salute you, brother. Awesome. Okay, please read verse 14 for me. It says, But the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. And Saul's servant said unto him, Behold now, an evil spirit from God troubleth thee. Think about a man who began so beautifully and ended up so badly. So, just because someone has received God's power, it doesn't mean their character will stay holy. The church in Galatia and the church in Corinth both began with great blessings, but didn't end up in great blessings. Paul had to write them letters about this. 
So let's look at Galatians chapter 3, verse 1, 2, and 3. I'll get to the solution here, but I've, I've, I've got to show you that it did happen in Bible times, not only to individuals, even to churches that began good and didn't stay good. All right, Galatians 3, verse 1, 2, and 3, please, Dion. O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you, that ye should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth crucified among you? Mm. This only would I learn of you. Received ye the Spirit by works of the law, or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are ye made now perfect by the flesh? See, they began in the Spirit... But then they got in the flesh. And when they got in the flesh, legalism got in there. Legalism has destroyed so many precious people of God. So many precious friends I had in the 70s were destroyed by legalism. You know what legalism is? Witchcraft. Control. I belong to a massive church called the Catacombs. 1972, when, when I got saved, I began attending on Thursday nights this massive gathering of young people, thousands of them, thousands, three and four thousand kids worshiping the Lord in a way you can't even, I can't even describe to you. We had trumpets on the platform. This was in a massive cathedral called St. Paul's Cathedral in Canada. Kids sat on the floor, I was one of them. Massive pipe organ would, the old hymns, we would sing the old hymns. They had violins and trumpets and trombones and instruments and people dancing, beautiful dancing. I'm not some whatever stuff. Like really elegant stuff. And I was stunned by all that when I got saved. Two years later, two years later, a man came in and began teaching what was called mashed potatoes. It was a silly name for a, a teaching on submission. How we are all one like mashed potatoes. And the teaching was that you have to submit to your elders. Okay, it's all right to begin with. But then it got really a little so-so, uh -huh, not too much uh, blessings in it. It got so bad that that man took over the church, destroyed a lot of my friends. The, the people who brought me to the Lord, named the Tadmans, Bob and Lorraine Tadman. I will never forget Lorraine. What a sweet woman she was. These were the two people that told me about Jesus. And they got so into that teaching, it destroyed them, Michael. It destroyed them. Many of them went, went back on drugs. Many of them walked away from the faith. And they began to teach things like replacement theology, that we are Israel. Israel doesn't exist anymore. The Jewish people are not Israel. We are. And dear Lorraine said, I no longer read the Old Testament. I get confused when I read the Old Covenant. Because that man was saying, and I had a dream. God saved me with a dream, guys. I had a dream. That church was like worship you cannot describe. The lady who wrote Jehovah Jireh was one of the leaders of the church named Merla Watson. I still talk to him. They live in Vancouver, BC. She's 80-something years old. 
And she wrote many songs. I was in her home when she wrote Jehovah Jireh. On the piano, she was putting the song together. I was there. Wow. But the thing is, I saw what that, what that teaching did on submission. And now in a dream, I see myself with all those kids bowing to the Lord. And I see palm branches being waved. I never shared that dream with you guys. Palm branches being waved by thousands of us kids. And Jesus is standing there. And suddenly, Jesus disappeared and that man was in his place. One of the McAllister family, the McAllisters were very powerful Pentecostals. One of them was that man who came in with all that theology about submission. Yet his cousins and family were wonderful people who, who actually established the Assemblies of God up in Michigan. <clears throat> well, anyway, so I see him there and I wake up out of my dream. And God spoke to me to leave. And I left that. That woman, his wife, had I stayed there, would have destroyed me. She said, how dare you go to Catherine Kuhlman? We have it all here. Then I knew something was wrong here. Because nobody has all the truth. And to her, she had it all. They had it all. How dare I go to see Catherine Kuhlman? <clears throat> and there was a lot of noise in that church, a lot of tambourines. It got noisy, noisy, more noise, more noise. The less power, the more noise. The noisiest places, no power. Uh, that's for another time, I'll tell you about that. Because <clears throat> worship is not noisy. I went to a free Methodist church with 30 people. I left that big because they were all walking out. They ended up with a hundred people who were now prophesying what to have for breakfast and who to marry and not marry, total bondage. And that man died an alcoholic. That same preacher died an alcoholic and that whole thing fizzled out. One of the greatest moves of, of God destroyed by legalism. Never allow it in your life. Never allow control. Be free and stay free. Because in Jesus, it, in the Lord, there's liberty. But these people in Galatia here or in, in Galatia were submitting to legalism. And what they were really doing, called the Judaizers of the day, were going to say, no, no, you cannot be saved without being circumcised and obeying the law of Moses and all that. And they were bringing the church into legalism. That's what happened there. So he said, who hath bewitched you? Read that again. O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you, that ye should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth crucified among you? Wow. This only would I learn of you, received ye by the Spirit, by the works of the law, or by the hearing of faith? Works of the law, legalism. Okay. Now, let's look at the church in Corinth. And Ryan will read 1 Corinthians 1.11. Dion will read 1 Corinthians 3, 1, 2, and 3. And then Ryan is going to read 1 Corinthians 5, 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5. So let's begin with 1 Corinthians 1.11 first. I'm going to show you that picture. It's an amazing picture there. It says, For it hath been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloe, 
that there are contentious among you. So here's a church with contentions. What else? 1 Corinthians 3, 1, 2, and 3, Dion. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for up to this point ye were not able to bear it, neither ye now are able. For ye are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envying, strife, and divisions, are ye not carnal, and as walk as men. So you got here now carnality setting in. What else? 1 Corinthians 5, 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5. It says, It is reported commonly that there is fornication among you, and such fornication as is not such as named among Gentiles, that one should have his father's wife. And ye are puffed up, and have not rather mourned, that he hath done this deed might be taken away from among you. For I verily, as absent in the body, but present in spirit, have judged already, as though I were present concerning him that hath done this deed. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, when ye are gathered together in my spirit, with the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, to deliver such and one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. So here's fornication setting in now. But that church, Dion, 1 Corinthians 1, please, uh, verse 3 to 7, this church had a good beginning. Listen to their good beginning. Go ahead. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God which is given you by Jesus Christ that in everything ye are enriched by him in all utterance and in stop, all knowledge. Stop, stop. You are enriched by him in all utterance, in all knowledge, and what else? Even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so the, that... Wait, wait, the testimony of Jesus confirmed in that church? They were walking in the Spirit? Keep going. So that ye come behind in no gift. They did not lack one of the gifts of the Spirit. You know, you think about churches today that lack some of the gifts. They lack not one. Keep going. Waiting for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. They were ready for the rapture. How many do you know today are ready for the rapture? But look what happened to them later. We just read it earlier. So... I just gave you examples from the Bible. Now, let's go, let's go to the good news. <clears throat> How do we maintain what God gives us? All right. Lift your hands to heaven. Father, I pray in Jesus' name, let them see this part real clear and good. That not one will miss the answer to fullness in Jesus' name and say, Amen. amen. All right. Now. Something happened to my mic, I think. I'm not sure. Let me just go with you. And Mike, can you? Yeah, I guess you can still all hear me, right? For some reason, I think I lost something here. But it doesn't matter. Let me just keep preaching, teaching. <clears throat> Let's read first a portion that can help us go from there. First uh, John 1, 6 and 7. Ryan, and a very familiar portion, but I want to say something about that. Very important we really grasp this one, David. Very good we grasp this. Okay. Go ahead. First John 1, 6 and 7. 
Ryan? Says, if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not hold the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with the one and with another. And the blood of Jesus and Christ his son cleanses us from all sin. Okay, now I want to explain what it means here. Um, <clears throat> when I got saved, when I got saved, God gave me a measure of light that I could understand and walk in. As I got older in the Lord, the light intensified. So I had to walk in the light that God gave me, the additional light, or let's say a different light that I can walk in that. <clears throat> the reason people fall is they do not walk in the growing light. They walk in old light. So when the Bible says, one more time, Ryan. It says if. First John 1, 6 and 7. We say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness. We lie and do not have truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light. Now, now, now what it means here is um, when we live the Christian life, we receive more light as we keep living the Christian life. We receive more truth. So God requires us to walk in the greater light uh, that we've received for today, not light he gave us 20 years ago. So walking in the light depends on what? All of you look at me and listen. It depends on truth. Because it says in, this, in the Word of God, walk in present truth. I cannot sustain fullness if I'm walking in past truth. Because past truth cannot help me today. Because my battles get greater as I keep walking with God. So more truth, more light. More light, more maturity. More strength. And so on. So when people stop receiving truth, they lose light. So let's say people come into the faith strong and excited about the Lord. And they're in their Bible every day and they pray daily. Now there's light. But if they neglect that light, it doesn't follow them. So now they're two years old in the Lord dependent on light that was two years ago. Now they're weaker. Because the more we grow, the more we fight. It's an ongoing battle. And the Lord treats us like we treat our children. When they are young, we carry them. We feed them. When they're older, feed yourself. Walk on your own. Otherwise, they'll be cripples. God treats us differently as we grow in him. Now we become responsible. But imagine what would happen if a mother had to feed her child for the rest of his life or carry him. It'll be all over for her in no time. So in the spirit, we grow and mature, and now we become more responsible before the Lord, and he begins to trust us 
to do things for ourselves. And this is where the relationship changes. He will carry his lamb, but as they become sheep, he doesn't carry them. Now they have to walk with him and follow him, and get to know his voice, all that. But a lot of Christians want to be a little lamb. It doesn't work like that. <laughs> so greater truth, greater light. We walk in the light we know, not in the light we knew. That's how we maintain fullness. Comprende? So I have to get more truth for more light. Deeper truth for greater light. Then I walk in that truth today. Not what I had back then. What I had back then cannot help me now. Because see the Lord protected me back then from the demons I have to fight today. That I can defeat on my own in his name. Back then he drove them away. Now he says use my name and drive them away yourself. But let's say I didn't do that. I didn't grow. Then I'm defeated. I can't fight. You know there's a question. And Bill Billheimer, Papa Billheimer was a wonderful man. I think you said Bill Johnson read his book that changed his life. Yeah. He, I met that dear sweet man. Yeah. Destined for glory. Yeah. One of the greatest books ever written. And I met him at TBN in Los Angeles in California. He shone like an angel, that dear man. Paul Billheimer was his name. And he wrote a book on why did God create Satan? Why didn't he just wipe him out? He created, well, at the time he was Lucifer. But basically he was asking, why is there a devil? To make you a winner. To make you an overcomer. How can you learn how to fight without a devil to fight? So the Lord kept him there to train you how to win because heaven is not full of cowards. It's full of overcomers. Well, you can't be an overcomer without someone to overcome. So he has, he has use for the devil to train the church for reign. You can't reign till you conquer, and you can't conquer without an enemy. So be, be glad I'm telling you all this good stuff. It's war down here to reign up there. Hallelujah. I could shout, but I'll behave myself. All right, so this receiving, meaning truth and light, must be maintained and increasing. If you want to really stay strong in the Lord, fine. Maintain it, increase it. Don't walk in past light, walk in present light. And I receive, I've got to say it again because somebody maybe has missed it. The more truth I receive from the Word, the more light. The more light, I get stronger to defeat the enemy of today. Because the enemy of tomorrow, I need the light for tomorrow to, to defeat him. The one of the past, he's gone already. I've dealt with that boy. More light. Say it. Can I tell you a funny story that happened to me? Are you sure you want to hear it? 
When I, when I began preaching, I did not know the Bible that well. I had one sermon. How many? One. one. Well, Catherine had three when she began preaching. She had one on heaven, one on hell, and one on being born again. That's it. That's all she preached of, heaven, hell, and being born again. She did not know that the Bible was endless. And me too. My only message was the Holy Spirit. So I was very young in the Lord, and I was preaching for a man up in Vancouver named Don, Don Gossett. Now, I, you know, I've seen people manifest at Maxwell White's church. <laughs> when I got saved I, I, Sunday, Sunday night in this man's church, I went to two churches, morning and evening, then catacombs on Thursday. I was in church actually every night, but anyways. So we would go on Sunday night, all the kids to watch this man cast out devils. And it was amazing. <clears throat> now I began preaching and I had no clue how to deal with those devils. So I'm in, Susan, uh, I'm in uh, Vancouver. I also in Susan, same, same thing happened. I saw a guy pick up a whole piano screaming at all of us. Full gospel businessman up there at the Holiday Inn. That little guy picked up a whole piano, was just growling. People scared to death. And I didn't do nothing, I just stood there. <laughs> now I'm in, in Vancouver and the Lord said, it's, it's time to have Benny uh, learn how to deal with this. <laughs> so, so I'm ministering at a hotel there in Vancouver. This massive football-sized guy comes up growling at me. I mean growling like an animal. His body was bent over. You know what I did? I hid behind the organ. <laughs> and if you saw that guy, you would have hidden behind the organ too. He wanted to do something to me, so I went and hid behind the organ. And the lady who was playing was Mrs. Gossett. She was a lovely Pentecostal lady with the blonde hair, and I'm hiding behind her from that guy coming like the animal growling at me. <laughs> I said, oh my Lord, how can I stay in the ministry if I can't handle this? An old man, a wonderful old man walked up right in front of all of us and cast a devil out of that guy. Just an old little guy. That fellow was a big man growling at everybody and I'm hiding back there. And this little guy comes up, old, he probably was in his 80s, come out of him in Jesus' name, he said. And the guy was free like that. Can you, can you believe it? I was in OCC, in OCC, I was telling that story, and that guy says, I'm here. <laughs> I said, some big guy came, came attacking me, growling, and the man said, I'm here. He said, I'm now a preacher. I said, oh my goodness, my goodness. I've had those things happen a lot when I've been talking with somebody, somebody saying, I'm here. <laughs> so I went to my hotel room, scared to death, and I opened the word, and the scripture jumped at me that I had to seek the Lord. And then I made a decision, I'm going to get to know this Bible real good, see what it says about devils. And dear Lord, I've cast a whole lot of them since. I, I had a guy in Jordan, his whole body came up on the floor. 
he literally came up like that. I had to push him down with my foot. <laughs> Come out of him! Well, his body was actually, what, what, what do you call that? Levitate? Yeah. His body was like this high. We had to push it down. I've had them growl at me. I've had them, you name it, I've had them do it. But we've seen mighty things happen. Truth. Light. Where would I be today if I did not know what the Bible says about this? Hello? Get to know the Bible. Because you're going to face bigger devils than I did in the future. You'll need the Word of God. Some, some of them may be your family members. So be careful. Okay, so. <laughs> Receiving, I've got to finish because this is important. Receiving must be followed by maintaining and increasing. And the renewal of the Spirit, please listen to this. The renewal of, this, of the Holy Spirit is not a once and for all experience. We must be renewed daily. Second Corinthians 4.16, please, Ryan. Our inner man must be renewed daily. How? Truth and light. More truth, more light, more renewal. Are you people listening? Thank, are you learning anything? Yes. Are you glad I'm here? Yes. I thought you would hate me by now. I thought, dear Lord, I've come here. Since Michael hasn't been able to preach, Jesse said, well, Daddy, you know. I said, okay, but I hope they don't dis dislike me. I've been there like over and over. No, no, don't do that. Well, I love you too. No, please, please, please. Let me finish my message. No, no, no. All right, thank you, thank you. I love you too. Sit down, please. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. You have to be, you've got to pray for me that I can be a little freer from this suit, you know, like maybe no jeans. I'll never come with jeans. No, no, I'll never come with T-shirts. And especially holy pants like my daughter wears. No way, no way, no way, never. I'm too old for that and I'm stuck in my ways and that's the way I like to be. But anyways, I was, I was telling... Awesome. I said, I need to come a little more casual here. Maybe. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. I don't know about that. All right. So 2 Corinthians, please, 4.16 says, For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. So the renewal must happen continually. All right. Now, I want to just show you something really beautiful here. And I'll tell you quickly. In Acts 19, uh, beginning at verse 4 through 7, Paul meets 12 men, and he, and he says, Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? They did not even know there was a Holy Spirit. That was the beginning of the church in Ephesus. Later, you see this church that did not lose anything. They began with, huh? What do you mean Holy Spirit? They knew nothing about the Holy Spirit. Think about a church beginning with no knowledge of the Holy Spirit. The church in Galatia knew the Holy Spirit. The church in Corinth, in, in Corinth knew the Holy Spirit. Here's a church did not even know the Holy Spirit or even heard of Him. So here they began really in weakness, not in strength. But even if you begin in weakness, you can go into great strength and stay strong in the Lord. It was that same church that was told in Ephesians 1.13. Please read that. 
Now remember Acts 19 is how they began. Twelve men didn't know the Holy Spirit. Now they're a church. But look how greatly they grew. Ryan, please. Ephesians 1.13 says, In whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Tremendous. Wow. Those 12 men now became a big church sealed with the Holy Ghost. And the Bible goes on to tell us in Ephesians 5.18, Paul wrote something else to them to show how anointed, how blessed they were, uh, to how, how fullness remained in them. So he said in Ephesians 5.18, please, Ryan, go ahead. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Oh, so what he was saying is, stay in a state of fullness. You began not knowing the Holy Spirit. Now you're sealed with the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 1. Now stay in a state of fullness. How? Well, he said be filled. Okay. Um, if I take that bottle, look, let me have it again. If I fill a bottle with water, that's not what the Greek means by filled in that portion. It means wind filling a sail rather than water filling a bottle. So be filled with the Spirit means movement. There is no movement here at all. But when the winds fill, because Paul used that word that in his day, uh, they traveled in these ships with massive sails. So he said, be filled like the wind fills those sails that will bring what? Movement. You'll grow in the Lord. You stay full. You maintain fullness and growth. Without growth, there is no fullness. Thank you, dear. All right. So, here's a church that maintained it. That did not even have it when they started. So, it's not about, it's not about quality. It's about quantity when it comes to the Christian life. All right. Let's talk about our precious, wonderful Lord. And I want to show you, because this is, this is how we learn. We learn from him. How did he maintain fullness? All right. Luke 4, verse 1. I'm going to show you three things about the Lord that are so powerful. That we maintain fullness. I'm going to have you play that instrument in just a second. We maintain fullness, number one, by obeying Luke 4, verse 1 in our life. Please, Ryan. It says, And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned to the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being 40 days tempted of the devil. And in those days he did eat nothing. And when they were ended, he afterward hungered. And the devil said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, command this stone that it be made bread. Now, think about, think about physically what your condition would be like if you did not have food and water and sleep for 40 days. Where would you be mentally? Physically. How would you function? 
Here's the Lord, as much man as though he was not God, and as much God as though he was not man, but we have to remember he was fully man. And a fully human, experiencing all we experience, in the desert by Jericho, tempted by the devil, 40 days, 40 nights, no food, no water, no rest. Yet the Bible tells me something powerful here. I'm going to read it for you one more time, and I want you to pay attention to this uh, remarkable secret we have hidden in these beautiful words. And Jesus being full of the Holy Ghost. Full of the Holy Ghost. Returned from Jerusalem, uh, sorry, from Jordan. And was led. Stop, stop, stop. Led means relationship. You can't follow someone you don't know. You cannot follow someone who is not real in your life. When you're led, you know who to follow. The Christian life is about following the Lord. Jesus leads. Jesus does not push. The devil pushes. Jesus leads. The devil forces you to do. Jesus gives you the choice to do. But how can I follow someone I can't see? How can I follow someone I don't know? And we see in the spirit. You can play real soft for me there. And in the spirit, my sight is greater than my sight in the natural. Because Peter wrote, he said, having not seen him yet, you love him. Yeah, I don't think he's got any volume on that instrument. Yeah. So it's really important to understand spiritual sight. Thank you. Spiritual sight. Jesus made a wonderful statement when he uh, was with his disciples one day. He said, I'm about to go away. The world will not see me, but you will see me. You will see me. That's spiritual sight. He's more real to you and I today than the person sitting next to us. He's more real to us than ourselves. So, um, being led by the Spirit means fellowship with the Lord. Jesus kept that fullness, even though tempted by the devil 40 days and night, by staying full of the Spirit requires fellowship with the Spirit. Staying one with the Holy Spirit, calling upon Him. He's the greatest friend we have. So, I can't be led by the Spirit unless I have a son. Because, you know, children 
want to to read something to you. I'm going to read Galatians 4, 1. It says, now I say that the heir, as long as he's a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be Lord of all. As long as people are children, they can easily go back into bondage. So even though someone may own the world, as long as they are a child, they are no different than a servant. It's time to grow up. And only sons can follow the Lord. If we are led by the Spirit, we are the sons of God, Paul wrote in Romans. So being children is dangerous. Or maybe I should say it like this, staying children is dangerous. Staying children is dangerous. And the Lord gave us a key here. Being led by the Spirit, Ryan, keeps me full of the Holy Ghost. Having a relationship with the Holy Spirit is the greatest thing I can do to maintain fullness in the Spirit. I would not have lasted another year in ministry if I did not learn from Catherine Kuhlman that the Holy Spirit is a person, not some power, not some influence. I talk to Him to this day because I understand He is a person with feelings. Number two, Luke 4.14. Since I'm there, I'll read it for you. This is another key that the Bible tells me about to maintain fullness. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. And there went out a fame of him throughout all the region round about. He returned. He was empowered. The Lord was tempted, yet returned with power. The power of the Holy Spirit. He was empowered. Please listen. Empowered by the Spirit, the Son of God himself, holy, pure, and perfect, effective only by the Spirit. Think about the Son of God, who is so holy, who is so pure, who is so perfect, yet he could not be effective. And Hebrews tells me that in Hebrews 7, And verse 26, it says that only by the Spirit he was able to be effective. For it says, for such an high priest became us who's holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, made higher than the heavens. But how did he maintain the Holy Spirit? Return in the power of the Holy Spirit. Let his power carry us into fullness. Not our own power. And what do these amazing uh, headlines tell me? Dependence upon the Lord. Upon the Holy Spirit, the Lord. Because I can easily lose it all. You know, everybody likes to, to repeat the 
very comforting promise. No temptation has taken you, but but all you know as that's coming to all men and so on. God with the temptation will use it to get you out. But nobody reads the verse right before that. Take heed lest you fall. Then there's no temptation that has taken you, because we can fall. Look what happened here to Samson. Look what happened to Saul. Look what could have happened to the church in, in Galatia had Paul not, wrote, not written them that letter. And the Corinthian church. No, we can't stay full. Truth. Keep it coming so the light keeps growing and you can walk in present truth and present light. And Jesus showed us the way. By being led by the Spirit, he had a relationship. By being empowered by the Spirit. Look, when you read that amazing verse, and I want to go back with you to Luke 4.14, because there's so much sometimes hidden in these verses that God has to show us. And Jesus returned, returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. That's amazing. He was empowered after all that he went through, 40 days being tempted by the enemy, yet he returns with incredible power. And he's showing, showing us, even the Son of God, who was holy and pure and perfect and harmless, could not be effective without the Holy Ghost. Dependence, surrender. And number three, you cannot maintain fullness without this. John 1.14, very familiar portion. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Character. Character. Jesus was not only full of power, Michael, he was full of grace and truth, character. Power without character will produce disaster. How great would have been those miracles without grace? Full of grace and truth. How effective would have been those healings without compassion, character. He wept and then he said, arise from the dead. Character. Charisma is dangerous without character. Balaam had no character. Gifted, heard God and prophesied, but his character was crooked. In the end, he died and was branded an occultist. No character. Jesus, full of grace and truth. Think about what, what I'm saying to you. How great would have those miracles been if there was no grace? Would have meant nothing. Or those great healings without grace meant nothing. And I'm going to repeat, before he raised Lazarus from the dead, what did he do? He wept. 
character. And that's how you stay full, by keeping that character strong in Jesus. Because without character, there's danger, great danger in jail. So the Lord now shows us here, and this is a simple thing, simple. The Christian life is not difficult. The Lord here shows us, demonstrates how to stay full, how to maintain fullness. Can you go to Hebrews 1, Ryan, just before I close? Hebrews 1 verse 9. And this is, this is our prayer tonight. This should be our prayer tonight. Go ahead. Hebrews 1, 9. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Yeah. You've loved righteousness, you hate iniquity, and like him today, if we begin to love righteousness and hate evil, we will maintain fullness. Character. We love what he loves and hate what he hates. All right. Are you learning anything? You know why I'm talking like this today? Because I truly care that the church that I'm speaking to today will be stronger in a year than today. I want to show you a verse in the Psalms, Psalm 110, please, verse 7, and then I'm totally done. It's a great verse that I want my darling Jessica to dig a little deeper into this verse, baby. In Psalm 1, 10 verse 7 says he shall drink of the brook in the way therefore shall he lift up the head it, it, it means walk on the path set for you walk on the path set for you he shall drink of the brook in the way when you walk on the path set for you God will supply the brook That's the anointing. And it says, He shall drink of the brook in the way, therefore shall he what? Lift up the head. That's a man who will not fail. That's a man who is staying full. His head is lifted. Wow. He's not ashamed of failure. You will always walk with your head lifted high. If you walk on that path God set for you, there will be that anointing that will be supplied daily for you from that brook and you will always lift up your head and say, I'm fine. I will not end as a failure. Why don't you lift your hands and pray in the Holy Ghost? Come on, out loud.
Just pray in the Holy Ghost. Come on.
will be a daily reality in our life. We'll walk in it daily. living in dark days in the world but not in the church the greater the darkness outside the greater the light in our hearts gross darkness will cover the earth that's in the Bible but the light of God is what we are living in and today we cannot walk in spiritual weakness. The time has come for commitment all the way, or we will not survive. Tomorrow's attacks will be more dangerous than we can imagine. I don't want to scare you. That's not my purpose. I have lived through three wars, three of them. When I grew up in Israel, I was four years old during the 56th campaign. I still remember my dad putting black curtains on our windows. In 67, I was 14 years old. And I remember the 67 war that Israel won, but there was a lot of fear in the country. We ran out of food because all the people were on the front. No trucks, no buses on the streets, and no food in the stores. And then the war of attrition between the Egyptians and the Israelis. And finally we had to immigrate. Look, yeah, we all are reading the news about Russia and Ukraine. Don't be afraid, all is well. How can I say that? Because the Bible says that. Look up, your redemption draws nigh. All is well. But today we don't know what will happen in the world. But we know what the Bible says. I have not seen the righteous forsaken. I've not seen the righteous begging for bread. Jesus said, I'm with you always. Fear not. But what do we do? We have to live the Christian life. We can't just push that aside. The time has come in our life. We have to cut the world out. And I've told you before, what Paul said to Timothy, a soldier of Jesus cannot be entangled in the affairs of this life. We must be free from the entanglement of the world. And David said, if the world blows up, basically, I'm fine. Why? Great peace have they that love thy law. Nothing will affect or offend them, nothing. 
peace that passeth all understanding will keep your hearts and your minds if we live the life. And the life we're all called to live is quite simple. Deny self and the flesh, carry the cross, dying to the things of the world, and follow the Lord. That's a beautiful life. But you see, if you do not obey what the scripture says now, you will not survive tomorrow. Now I'm talking to people here today that the Lord loves very much. We, we don't know what is on the horizon for the world. That's not our world. We are heavenly, we are heavenly citizens. That's our world. Our affections are on things above. That's where we belong. But there are people here tonight that are not strong in the Lord yet. Some are not even saved. And salvation is not about praying a prayer. Come, Lord, into my heart. Because, see, a lot of people, the reason they want Jesus is to escape hell. My answer is, he is not a fire escape. We don't receive him to escape hell. We receive him because we want to follow him and live for him and serve and love him. That's what life is all about. To get daily teaching from Michael and to follow our event schedule around the world, please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Be sure to subscribe to the Jesus Image TV YouTube channel as well. By partnering with Jesus Image, you will help us take the saving and healing power of Jesus to the world. Your giving changes lives forever. For more information, please visit us online at JesusImage.tv or write us at Jesus Image, P.O. Box 950-640, Lake Mary, Florida, 32795. Thank you for your prayers and financial support. Jesus is the answer for every life, everywhere.